Welcome back to the Policy Viz podcast. I'm your host, John Schwabish. Happy New Year, everyone. I hope the New Year is kicking off well for you. I am excited because on today's episode, I'm actually live. Well, I guess all podcasts are live to some extent, but I'm actually in person here in Northern Virginia with Len Kiefer, who is the Deputy Chief Economist at Freddie Mac. Len, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for bringing me in to Freddie. It's always exciting to be here. You guys actually have a very nice sound studio here. Yeah. yeah. This This is impressive. You have a pretty interesting, I'd say, Twitter feed at the very least, because that's where I've sort of gotten to know you. Lots of different data visualizations doing a lot of different stuff, mostly with housing and the economy. And I want to get to that in a little bit. But maybe we can start by having you talk a little bit about your background and how you got here to Freddie and the sort of work that you're doing here. Yeah, sure. So I'm an economist working in our economic and housing research group here at Freddie Mac. And so what we do broadly is help people understand what's going on in the economy, housing and mortgage markets. You know, So we do a lot of different research and uh, publications that we'll put out. Part of the Twitter that you mentioned is part of an effort to engage people to get them sort of enticed to sort of read more about some of the, the trends that we're looking at. You know, I, I came here, I wasn't a housing economist initially. My background, I'm a PhD economist, was a macroeconomist. Yeah. Uh, and when I came out of school, I was a you know a professor uh, at Texas Tech University. My wife was also an economist. She took a job in D.C. Right. I uh, made the wise decision to follow her uh, <laughs> and ended up here in D.C. and, and, and uh, ended up at Freddie Mac. Right. Uh, and so, and that was uh, actually pretty much my introduction to data visualization because, mm-hmm. as you may imagine, a lot of economists sort of figure things out, but they're not always the greatest visuals, particularly a decade or so ago. Right. Uh, and so when I was working at Freddie, folks in my the group I started with were really interested in presenting uh, information effectively and really got me introduced to the idea of data visualization and really taking it very seriously. Interesting. And, and that sort of helped me, I think, get started to think about this and it's ongoing, a lot of learning thinking about new ways to do it. And every day I'm sort of figuring more things out. Right. And over that time period, how have the tools changed? So I know you're a big R guy um, from what I've seen. So so have the tools really changed the, what's been used here and what you've been using? Yeah. You know, when I first started, I mentioned the group I was with actually was big into S+. Plus. Wow. Uh, okay. Which was, you know, a, a precursor to <laughs> yeah. R yeah. in a lot of ways. And so we learned a lot. It was actually eye-opening for me, you know, as I had done a lot of things, you know, in MATLAB or in Excel uh, coming out of school. And so the S-plus sort of just structure things. We had a kind of a set of visualizations that we used mm-hmm. to help come play to look at some complex sort of uh, data analytics, and it was really effective. And so mm-hmm. that sort of got me introduced, and then I, I shifted groups, got away from it, did a lot in you know Excel, not really got into R until mm-hmm. a few years later when I, I started seeing some cool things that people were doing. Right. I, I saw some, you know, actually some statistical things that I wanted right. to do. So I actually started using R and then I discovered, hey, this is actually uh, a lot, helps me make a lot of cool visualizations. And yeah. then I started just sort of going down that path. Right. And, and the community is so great. I got engaged with some folks there. Uh, and so I just started trying to build on that. And so for you, R is the entire data process? Like you're doing your data analysis and your statistics works and your visualization? Because I know a lot of people who just do their data viz in R, but they're, maybe they're doing their statistics in state or SAS, maybe not S plus anymore, but um, but you're using it for the whole the whole thing? Well, well, it varies really, you know, mm-hmm. and certain, t- certain things I'll do in R, certainly a lot of the stuff that I share on social media uh, is done in R. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually at work though, a lot of the things we'll do will be in other tools. You mm-hmm. know, we have a wide variety of tools people use, like even within my small team, some people use SAS, some people use Stata, some people will use R, uh, it really varies. And, yeah. and so it, it depends on the project, who's working on what, uh, 
if you're sort of sharing, you might want to use a different tool. Right. So R is becoming increasingly popular, but a lot of times that's not the tool of choice. Yeah. So to work together, you might need to use a different tool. So I, I'm, I use a variety of things, but mm -hmm. I'm increasingly using R uh, in my own work, in my own research, um, and so I found it pretty pretty helpful. Right. Now, you mentioned that when you got here, data visualization was already something that was seemingly important. Yeah. But what is the workplace culture like when it comes to visualizing data, communicating data? Lots of people I talk to, they might be the only person in the organization that's interested in this. Freddie's huge. I mean, yeah. thousands of people, right? So what's the culture like when it comes to communicating data? You know, it's very interesting, John, because this organization, as you mentioned, is really large. Freddie Mac has thousands of employees, at least hundreds of them, maybe even thousands, are working on some form of analytics. Mm -hmm. uh, there is just a ton of different data visualization, communication going on a lot internally, mm -hmm. but a lot externally. There's a lot of complex analysis going on. You know, so there's a ton of people working. Uh, and I think the organization has really realized that if we're going to sort of move into the modern sort of age, understanding the data is going to be important. So data visualization, I think, is an important tool. And I'm seeing that across the organization. It's, and it's, it's increasing over time. Mm -hmm. You know, we brought on a lot of uh, folks that are coming from out of school. Yeah. I think there's been more focus on data visualization yeah. in school. And so you're seeing a lot of people with a lot of great ideas. And so I think it's a really uh, interesting workplace. There's a lot, of, a lot of people are really stepping up their game mm -hmm. across the organization. And so I think that's been really encouraged. Uh, and there's been a lot of people really focused on that. And when you think about it, we've got this huge amount of data. I mean, it varies. depends on what you yeah. mean by big data. But in the mortgage space, you've got millions of records over you know, decades uh, to analyze that and really understand what's going on. These tools, I think, are very valuable. Yeah. And pull out insights from sort of this massive data is a, is a big project. Yeah. And are you seeing that buy-in all the way up and down the organization? Uh, when I was at CBO, for example, the director that I was working for at the time was really into it. And I think that helped spread the gospel, as it were, to, yeah, this is something that's important, something we're going to prioritize. So do you see that? Do you find that all the way up and down the chain? I don't know how flat or hierarchical it is, but are you finding that sort of buy-in throughout the organization? I think so, increasingly. You know, some senior uh, officers, I think, recognize that. The folks that are sort of handling sort of the, the high levels of modeling across the company, they've been very engaged in mm -hmm. this, uh, and they recognize this as a sort of uh, important uh, avenue. And other different different ways, yeah. there's different levels of engagement, but I, but I have seen that in support. And certainly, uh, a lot of it isn't explicit, like, we're going to make great data visualization. It's effective visualization. Right. Right. So I'm going to be able to communicate clearer. I think that's had engagement at the highest levels of yeah. our organization. And sort of that translates data visualization is a part of that. Mm -hmm. So I, I've seen a pretty strong support of that. Mm -hmm. And I've seen a lot of investments around the company, people having different training, different seminars uh, to help sort of recognize that as an, one important way that we can sort of help be better at what we do. Can, can you talk a little bit about the different audiences that people are talking to? So there's clearly the inside you're working on a millions of observations and trying to figure it out. Um, there's social media, which I want to talk about a little bit because I'm kind of keenly interested in how you view like effective uh, Twitter visualizations, for example. Um, I assume there's academic conferences and there's a board meeting and then there's other policymakers. So, you know, how do people think about these different audiences? It's interesting, John. So in my position, my role in the company, I have the opportunity to speak to a wide variety of audiences. So I'm sort of outward facing, yeah. the chief economist role, the right. support. Uh, we are out talking to people constantly. It's either, you know, our, our business partners around the country or even around the world. If we're talking, uh, you know, bond investors, uh, there's just a lot of different types of people and they're more sophisticated to less sophisticated yeah. uh, folks. And so having sort of that effective communication 
takes a different set of skills than if you're talking to the expert, you know, folks that are looking at things around sort of internal models or understanding uh, what's going on in particular sort of areas that Freddie Mac is, is sort of working on. And so that's a wide, I see a lot of different yeah. specs. There's a yeah. very, you know, very uh, specialized, very yep. focused group that's looking at maybe one particular model at a particular area of the mortgage market. Uh, there, the audience is very sophisticated. You can, they know sort of the language, the jargon. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you go out to a general audience, which we're increasingly trying to engage with to help them understand sort of what's going on in the mortgage market there, you have to keep things at a much higher level. Right. And so the skills that sort of work in one area don't necessarily work in, in others. But I think there's a all across the board, mm-hmm. sort of certain principles, things that you've written on, uh, others on, on the show have talked about, about effective communication is absolutely crucial. Yeah. And do you work with the analysts who maybe, you know, they might have a project where they need to communicate to sort of the non-specialist audience and maybe they're used to communicating to the academics or the researchers. You know, how do you work with folks who maybe not had a lot of experience communicating with that that wider non-specialist audience? Yeah, that's that's actually a, a big challenge for my role because, like I said, our group is talking externally. A lot yeah. of times the, the new folk that we bring on, like I've brought on two new economists to my staff, uh, excellent training, but they haven't really right. thought about things yeah. uh, as They've an external. They've written their dissertation, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're <laughs> yeah. used to talking to their advisor or other experts. Right. Talking to a general audience is a little t- it's tough for them to start out, but we've yeah. had some support in terms of training. We've brought in folks and also just talking to people about the importance of it. Mm-hmm. And I think also living it is important yeah. in a sense of, you know, you could make a class, but it's giving examples. You know, yeah. we'll do presentations. I'll work with my team to put things together and talk about sort of why we want to do things in a certain way. Uh, I think that's, that is probably the best way yeah. to get an understanding and a, an empathy and understanding what the audience is, is actually thinking when they engage with yeah. their stuff. That's great. Um, so, so I know you have a love of R. Um, and I know you have a love of getting stuff out on social media using R. Can you talk a little bit about what you like most about R and also then how you think about putting things on social media? Because what I notice about your Twitter feed as as the prime example is that the visualizations work great on social. And I think a lot of people aren't really thinking about visualizations for social. They, They have a project and then maybe they take a screenshot of it and they put it on social. But it doesn't always fit. It doesn't always work great. And yet yours seem to really fit that medium particularly well. So let's start with the with the R part. Um, it looks like a lot of the stuff you're doing is in R. What's your love of, of R? I think the great thing about R is the community of folks that mm-hmm. are engaged in it. So there's a wide variety of people. It's open source. You've got a lot of new people coming in with great ideas. And the senior people you know, are actually pretty uh, well engaged. You know, yeah. I was starting out. I was sharing some stuff. I was talking to folks. You know, I could see they had a lot of followers, but didn't realize sort of their sort of level of engagement <laughs> with the community. <laughs> right. And, but they actually, in general, will be very supportive of people and sharing their things, talking with them. Uh, and so that's, I think, a real positive yeah. there. So I've been able to, that's sort of a positive feedback. You yeah. can get engaged with people. You can share things. They'll retweet it or share it. Uh, and you can talk with people. And there's, there's a pretty good discussion there. Mm-hmm. And what's exciting is there's all these people with these great ideas that are coming up with new ways to visualize things, new packages and things that make it relatively easy to sort of plug in and do things. Whereas instead of having to figure it all out on your own, yeah, you, can actually, yeah. you can see a cool visualization and actually, in a lot of cases, be plugged in and make your own right. within you know, hours or minutes even in some cases. And that's like a really, uh, that's a really positive thing. You get a nice feedback and then you can engage. And in general, people are pretty open about that and supporting people. Yeah. And that's really positive. And on the other end, you have a pretty powerful tools on the yeah. back end. The folks that are actually supporting and developing this actually made the tools from analytic perspective, data manipulation, really easy. Mm-hmm. And that sort of helps 
because a lot of the trouble is I've got this data in this awful structure. It's yeah. trapped in a PDF yeah. or an Excel spreadsheet. How do I get it out? Uh, they've made a lot of tools that actually make that a lot less painful than it used to be, uh, you know, a few years back. But the data you're often getting is millions of records, yeah. presumably over time. Yeah. Um, so presumably a lot of it is not the PDF problem. Is there a, are there particular challenges you have with getting, I don't want to use the word big data, but it's large data, uh, getting that into R and visualizing it effectively? Yeah, I mean, that's where, again, the, the tools are getting better. Right. There are other packages that make it a lot easier than it used to be when I was starting out. You know, it's, the hardware has also gotten better. Yeah. So the computers can handle fairly large data, large-ish data. Yeah. Um, I can remember a decade ago trying to look at, for example, uh, the American Community Survey, yeah. microdata, yeah. one year's worth of data. It's about three million records. Right. You know, hard to put on a machine. <laughs> yeah. Now you can run it. Like yeah, almost seconds, instantly. Right? Yeah, I know. And, and so that becomes a lot easier. Yeah. And so for that kind of size data, um, it works pretty well. Yeah. And, and a lot of the things I share and talk about is ways to aggregate it. Because mm -hmm. that's what I do a lot of time thinking about is I got these millions or hundreds of thousands of records. How do I tell a story? How do mm -hmm. I get out of that the insight that I'm interested in? And so how to roll that up and aggregate. And that's where R has been pretty effective in terms of increasing the speed at which I can right. work. I don't know if you're going to have an answer to this question, but what you just talked about is something that, that I think rings true for a lot of people, is how do they get down from this big data set into something that they can communicate or evaluate, I think, quickly and easily. So what is your thought process when you have, I mean, we just take the ACS as a simple one, right? You have 3 million records. Um, you want to talk something about the mortgage market. I mean, I don't know if this is like a step-by-step -step thing, but what is what is your thought process? If someone said to you, how do I take 3 million records and get to this graph or this story or this point that I want to get out? How do I do that? That's, that's a, that's a tough, tough question, yeah. but I mean, that's where my advantage, I think, I, I wouldn't have had a great answer if I hadn't worked at Freddie because I mentioned when I started yeah. out, I mean, that's what people were doing. Mm -hmm. They were taking, you know, maybe not millions, hundreds of thousands, large numbers of records from a, something you would put in a spreadsheet, right? Yeah. Too big for that. And they were trying to figure out ways to help understand sort of how models were working. Mm -hmm. And so people have come up with strategies for how to do that. They had done a lot of thinking. You know, it's not just a danger, and I fall into this sometimes, is just to start running the computer yeah. and start running the analysis and start creating the visualizations, which is fun. Uh, <laughs> sometimes you got to take a step back and actually think about, well, yeah. what am I trying to say? And that's right. where I think some of the experts that are here, they really know, mm -hmm. you know the people I'd worked with um, and still work with. You know, they really know these data. They understand. And I think, actually, if you think about folks that have been in the industry for a while that had to suffer, you know, punch cards, right, or very, yeah. very yeah, slow the computers. Tapes, yep. They had to be very strategic about the type of analysis they did because it was so expensive. Right. And so that, I think, being able to work with folks like that and then also new people who have no idea because yeah. everything is super fast, I think that sort of creates a nice mix. And that's where sort of having a broad ecosystem of people yeah, working on different problems uh, really helps. Yeah. And that's, that's a great thing. That's why I'm lucky sort of to be in this role. And there's a lot of other places like that, but I mean specifically here. Yeah. They've got that insight and said, okay, I kind of know, either from a statistical perspective, how we should look at this. How can I translate that into the right kinds of aggregations? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting, having that, that, that generational yeah. match. Um, I want to talk quickly about the social media. So when you are creating a graph or a set of graphs for a tweet, are you thinking about it specifically for the tweet? I mean, I, I just, I feel like your Twitter feed does a really nice job. You seem to be doing a nice job of thinking about that. But I guess, I guess the, the real question is, 
How are you thinking about the different output types for the visuals? I like t Twitter and social media yeah. because it's a chance to engage. And they have now with the support for graphics or anima sh short animations, uh, you can tell a little story. Yeah. And so I'm often you know, doing these things that I'll share. A lot of times they're part of something. Maybe mm -hmm. they're part of a presentation that I've used. But it can be broken off. So I do have in mind, I'm thinking, okay, for example, my team works on something called the Primary Mortgage Market Survey. It's a, a weekly survey of mortgage rates in, in the United States, sort of what, what a typical uh, prime borrower expect to face. You know, if they were going out to try and get a mortgage today. Uh, and so we've been doing that. Freddie Mac's been doing that since 1971. Like a 40-year history every week, right? And so part of it is like, well, what's the story? Yeah. Thinking about what's been happening week to week and what's the longer-term perspective on mm -hmm. that? And so since I'm doing that every week <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> for several years now, yeah. uh, and I'm thinking, well, how can I engage people? Is there a story? Sometimes there's not yeah. and things are relatively stable or how have things moved. I think there's always a bunch of stories there that you can tell. Yeah. And so how can I tell it? Well, if you have an interesting visual, I think that can get some attention there. Mm -hmm. And it can help people to think about, uh, for example, if you look at the week-to-week -week trends, maybe rates have moved up you know, a few basis points. But if you look at a longer-term perspective, yeah. they're super low. Right. And so showing that, uh, I think, helps sort of reinforce that point for different folks. And so I think of that as a way to maybe engage folks. Yeah. Oftentimes, we'll do some research piece. Uh, we recently wrote about uh, house price bubbles, whether or not we're in one, what's going on with that. Uh, we could compose, you know, some different visuals to try and capture all the different data that we looked at for that. How can we sort of tell that story? How can we get people to in, interested in that story uh, to show different sort of trends sort of in the housing market? Yeah. And you got hundreds of metro areas, 50 states plus D.C. So how can you show that? Well, thinking of ways to aggregate that and put that into a graph. It won't tell the whole story, but it yeah. might get people engaged. And so that's the lead to, hey, this thing's kind of interesting. We found this particular angle, and here's the link to the larger, the longer report. Some, that, that's often yeah. the case. Sometimes it's just a question. You know, some of it's like I'm chewing on something, I'm thinking about it. Well, let's put it out there. Just see, you know, there are a lot of smart people out there. Maybe they have a thought, or maybe someone else will find this interesting. Right. Uh, I've done that. You know, I've engaged. I've seen different folks out there that are, you know, in my space sort of sharing their research piece or yeah. something they've seen. Sort of sparks an idea in my own mind. Maybe I can go and do that. So it's part of, you know, being engaged in the community. So, so that's interesting because I would, I would guess that a lot of the work that you all do is driven by what's obviously going on in the economy, what's going on in policy. Um, that's what's determining um, and, and requests, I would guess, from, from stakeholders of we need this report on this thing. But have you ever had a case where you found something interesting just by sort of happenstance, you sort of dug in this way, and then the reaction from social media led you or in your team to say, let's dive into this a little bit more. There's clearly a demand for it. A, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think there's often, if it's a real hit, it'll yeah. be on both sides. Yeah, right. Um, so there'll be things that people are wondering about, and then people will also be asking us about. Yeah. And so there is that, that, that connection there. I don't think I've ever had a case yet, but they keep trying, yeah. <laughs> uh, where I've sort of I've gotten a, a comment and it's like, oh, wow, I have never sort of heard right. of that. But that may happen. Yeah. And there are certain like micro aspects of it, yeah. like little angles on it. Uh, people will point things out. But but that's what part being engaged yeah. sort of is you can... Not only you know show people what you've been doing, but find out what others are doing. Right, and in some cases, you get some interaction. That's the best. Yeah, that's great. Um, so you, you've put out a lot of things, uh, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> uh, both both you and Freddie, obviously. Um, do you have any recent projects, new projects that you're particularly excited about? Things that you didn't think you were going to find. Things that maybe you put out on Twitter that were sort of any of these cases where it's like, whoa, we put this out. I wasn't quite seeing that this was going to happen, this reaction, I was going to get these comments back. 
Well, I mean, I think one of the things that we've been focused on because it's so important to Freddie Mac is sort of what's going on with house prices. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my visualizations have to do with trends in house prices. We, Freddie Mac, have a house price index. I'll show a lot of different ways to visualize it, to think about, you know, what's been going on with home values around the country. And we wrote a piece on, you know, house price bubble. Uh, is the U.S. headed to another house price bubble? If you look at recent trends in prices, well above income. Mm -hmm. We talked about how to think about that, uh, ways of looking at it. And actually, part of that outgrew out of some visualizations that I'd done a few years ago, just looking at metro area trends. Because you've got 300 metro areas. It's hard to consume yeah. it all at yeah. once. And yeah. not likely that one statistic is going to be that. So yeah. having a variety of visuals help. Uh, we sort of came to a conclusion at that point. But it's going to be ongoing because mm -hmm. it's so important to understanding sort of what's going on in the housing market. We'll continue to track that and be something that we'll be looking at you know, in the years, months to come right. over the next year. Right. Um, so on the research side, are we in a housing bubble? Uh, no, that, that was what our current, <laughs> at least currently, that's what right, it was. But right. We'll see, you know, going forward. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. I'm really enjoying the, the Twitter feed and I'll put links to all this and, and the, and the Freddie research that that's going on. And, um, yeah, this has been great. Really fascinating. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And thanks everyone for tuning into this week's episode. Uh, if you have comments or questions, please do let me know. I'll put links to all the work that's going on at Freddie and, and links, of course, to, to Len's Twitter feed. So if you have comments or questions, please let me know. So until next time, this has been the Policy Viz Podcast. Thanks so much for listening.